There's no shortage of demands placed on today's software developers, testers, ops, architects, and leaders. Simply put, you have to get a lot of work done, and often, there's not a lot of time to do it. That can lead to long hours, extra stress, and a serious impact to your health and well-being. But how much is too much? And what is the industry at large doing to promote a healthy and collaborative work culture? Turns out, even good intentions might not be enough to tackle the problem head-on. I'm David Carty, site editor of Search Software Quality, and this is the Test and Release Podcast, where we speak with experts about software development and testing topics. This episode comes to you from Las Vegas, site of the DevOps Enterprise Summit, a conference that discusses success stories, challenges, and tools in the DevOps space. In this episode, I spoke with Dr. Christina Maslach, Professor of Psychology at the University of California, Berkeley. Maslach has been studying and writing about burnout in the workplace for decades. Naturally, her research led her to the technology industry. As she explains, the industry has deep roots in burnout. In fact, the industry once embraced it. While some tech companies have made strides to eliminate burnout, it's still a pervasive and dire issue. We spoke about some of the signs and symptoms of burnout, as well as how organizations can take proactive steps to fight it. IT leadership plays a big role, but it's not all up to them. After all, just as user feedback is essential to effective software, employee feedback is essential to a healthy work environment. First of all, let's start with a high-level definition of burnout or worker burnout. What is it? And how does it manifest? Uh, well, burnout is the, the name that's been given to a type of um, occupational experience um, that is a response to chronic job stressors. Mm-hmm. And it's characterized by, by three overlapping dimensions of experience. And one is the stress response, which is exhaustion and fatigue, um, not able to come back and do more. Uh, the second is a, um, a distancing from the job and developing a very negative, hostile, cynical approach to the work and the job and the people and everything that's involved. Um, and the third is the development of a negative sense of professional efficacy. Maybe I'm not good at this. I shouldn't, you know, it's a mistake. I shouldn't have gotten into this job. And all of that kind of thing. So it's the stress, this this negative response to the job, which to me is almost at the heart of what we call burnout because at that point you're trying just to do the bare minimum rather than your very best. It's take this job and shove it. It's, <laughs> you know, all of that kind of thing. And so the quality mm-hmm. of the work is changing even if you're still on the job. Uh, and then, of course, the, the, you know, the sense that Maybe something wrong with me, and I'm not doing the right thing, or you know, not as good as I thought, or what's you know, all of this kind of thing. Right. So, can you explain the research you're doing in the IT industry around burnout? What led you to this industry in particular, and uh, why is it of interest to you? Well, it's actually, it it started the other way around. Sure. Tech came. <laughs> <laughs> because they were interested in these issues, and uh, it wasn't that I, I started there. Um, uh, where I started was, again, where people were talking about it decades ago, and it was mo- more in what I would call 
human service, health service kind of thing. You're working with patients, with clients, with students, with the poor, with customers, with depending on you know, what kind of occupation you're in. And what we've discovered over the years is that although those are, have always been very important areas where burnout has been an issue, that we're seeing it in, in a lot of other areas as well. In some ways, um, you know, so I was invited to come talk about burnout at tech conferences. And so now this is, and learning now what, what is going on in tech, you know, and, and, and what are we seeing here. Mm-hmm. But in some ways, um, the term burnout, you know, um, I mean, my dad was an engineer, um, and uh, burnout, rocket boosters burnout, <laughs> ball bearings burnout, yeah. um, and back in the early days of Silicon Valley, you know, the startups, they would advertise, you know, we were looking for people to hire, we're a burnout shop, <laughs> and that was the term that would be there, you know. Uh, we only want the type A plus 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 kind of person, sure. and it was basically the idea that the burnout shop, we're going to just own you for two years, let's say. Um, this is where twenty four seven came from, you know. Uh, and and when you've burned out and done, you know, you're gone, and you'll have stock options, you know. Hopefully, something will come out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there may be things in terms of roots in tech mm-hmm. and engineering that, that have a, uh, a kind of relationship, you know, as part of the story about burnout, which I didn't fully appreciate until later when people started calling me and saying, can I tell you what's going on or here's some of the things. And so actually people like uh, John Willis and Gene Kim were the people who started saying, We've got some issues here. We've got these suicides going on. We've got this right. other, you know. Um, and so for me, it's more recent, but in the last year or two, um, really learning a lot about what might be happening within tech um, right. uh, of various kinds. I mean, you know, I hate to sort of have a global term here, but um, sure. but that might be related to some of the things we're seeing. Right. Burn up and be an issue. Right. And this is the space that our readers and listeners are in. They're in the IT industry, the technology industry. They're software developers and testers, project managers, product owners, etc. For those listeners and readers, how can they take a step back to assess their own work life? Um, what are some of the troublesome symptoms they should watch for in terms of uh, their own health and work environment? Yeah. Well, basically, uh, given that it is a response to stressors, um, that uh, people will often, if they're paying attention, see that they are leading less healthy lives. They are having more trouble with their own well-being. They're not getting enough sleep. It's being disrupted. Um, They are... um, not getting out and, and doing exercise, they're they're pulling back from socializing with people. They're sort of turning into couch potatoes in some sense. I mean, they're working too hard, too long for whatever reason, and then they just don't want to be bothered, you know, uh, mm-hmm. by what go out to a you know mm-hmm. kind of yeah. thing. Um, not enough time to spend with friends, family. Uh, so the the social isolation can be a problem. Um, uh, so those are all all kind of signs. Um, 
to the extent that it's, it's part of what's happening in the workplace, there are things, that's where this growing cynicism is coming. It's not just the tiredness, exhaustion, you're working way too many hours and you're being called in on days when you're supposed to be off and, and all that, but you're beginning to feel like, you know, you don't give a damn anymore at some point. I mean, this, this job sucks, you know, and, mm-hmm. and this is where the bare minimum comes in. I mean, okay, what do I have to do to still, you know, make it and so forth? Um, but there's going to be more errors. There's going to be, you know, problems. There's going to be you're covering up stuff. You're you're doing it, you know, in a by the seat of your pants and not really doing it as well as you could. Right. Um, um, we we also are seeing, and it's more true now than it used to be, a um, sense of a really socially toxic environment and people feeling like, you know. The way we talk to each other, uh, not so wonderful, uh, and yeah. it's not a joke all the time. And um, mm-hmm. the sense that you don't, there's a, a, it's more a sort of a culture of fear where you don't dare say no, like no, I won't come in on Saturday. Be, you know, uh, that might be your job. You know, right. you might be called from the herd, as they used to say, and maybe still do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you don't speak out when you've got a problem. You've got a wicked issue. You're not really sure how to solve this. You don't know who to turn to. You don't know who to trust. Mm-hmm. There's not as good a support. You don't have mentors. You don't have a safe place to kind of say, you know. Right. Um, and so the, the um, I mean, it's like dreading going to the workplace in some sense. I mean, this is not right. your happy place anymore. It's, um, uh, I just saw something the other day, uh, what was it called? There's now a hashtag, Scary Sundays. <laughs> and it's because it used to be Mondays were the, oh my gosh, Monday blues, going back to work after the weekend. Now you're getting Scary Sundays because you're getting tapped on Sunday oh boy. to do things, yeah. to start thinking about stuff to whatever mm-hmm. and so those boundaries between work and the rest of your life um, are, are getting more and more blurry or taken over by the job and you have less of all these other things that sort of support a healthy lifestyle right. you don't have time to do the things you really want to do, you don't have time to take care of people that you need to take care of you you know, how do I huh? you know, I have to be at work but I've got a sick child, I've got a sick parent you know, what am I, you know I'm. You know, people go into work when they shouldn't be, you know, right. because they're not in good health mm-hmm. so all of those kinds of things are signs, you know and it's not about is it burnout or not the workplace and you are there's not a good fit a good match that really kind of support you know supports you and sort of lets you thrive um, right as opposed to being beaten down and so yeah. is that the yeah kind of, does it make sense yeah yeah absolutely um uh, you mentioned before how th- there are deep roots uh with this idea within yeah. the tech industry yeah. um are we seeing more of an awareness from technology companies around this sort of idea? Are we going yeah. in the right direction? And, you know, if so, what, what kind of trends do you yeah. see in this industry? I, I don't know enough. I mean, I hear things from different people, but I haven't been on the ground within these, you know, for over a long period of time to sort of mm-hmm. see what's going on on a more daily basis. So it's it's, it's still more secondhand, let's put it that way. Sure. Uh, what And what people are describing. Um 
and I think, and I can't tell you how many places or whether this is the exception or the norm, but um, um, the burnout shop is alive and well, only now it's not a short-term sprint like a startup. Hmm. It's the way we do business for the long term. This is the marathon now. Yeah. And we're still asking for incredible self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. When I call, you come. You know, when the task is this, you got to be there. You have to do it. Um, the, there's a lot of churn. Um, you don't know people well. You don't know who to trust. You don't know who has your back as opposed to who wants to throw you under the bus so they'll get the job, you know, or promotion rather than you. Right. Um, that culture of fear, you know, that, uh, all of that kind of thing. So it's like taking that notion that you just have to give everything and the company owns your life and it intrudes on all parts of it uh that was part of the the idea of the startup the you know the sprint. okay it's only going to be for a short period of time but it'll be okay after you get out you know mm-hmm. um and so and you could do that to have it be not a sh- short-term sacrifice but this is the way you live um you know, so yeah, so we're seeing burnout shops that are delivering things faster and, you know, all mm-hmm. of this kind of stuff. But at what cost to the right. health and well-being of the people who have to make that, all of that happen? Yeah, certainly. Or, it's concerning. Yeah. 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 Or um, I, you know, recently talked to people who were in a, in a, in a convention around cybersecurity, mm-hmm. the RSA um, thing. And that was really fascinating. You know, there's a... Uh, Josh Corman talking about, you know, um, we are the cavalry. And I was saying, well, okay, what do you tell me what you mean by that? And he's saying, well, you know, we're not going to be rescued by somebody else. We are the ones who have to solve the problem here. And the problem is many dimensional, but it, you know, I think he said something on the order of every day we're 14 million unfilled jobs. We can't, you know, and it's kind of like, what, you're not hiring people, you know, to do that? No, you're hiring them, and they don't stay. Right. Okay, and and if you can't hire those 14 million people in cybersecurity, if I'm working there, I'm doing two shifts, if not three. Right. This is because you still got to cover it. Mm -hmm. But we are the problem because the kind of culture that has evolved in terms of where we work and how we work is hostile, unfriendly, unforgiving, and we hire people, the best and the brightest, and after a while they never mind, I'm going to go, and sorry, <laughs> you know, adios, and, and I'm out of here. Right. Uh, so we are the, the people that have to figure out how we can sustain, you know, attract, sustain the level of people contributing to this really important work right? right. without actually being the ones that are you know, making them leave. Right. I have students all the time that I hear, you know, work for Amazon. Oh, my God. You know, and it's kind of like, it's brutal at times. And so it's like, it's not an environment that is designed to be the best place for people to grow and develop and thrive. You know, it's like putting a, a plant in a pot with lousy soil, no sun and no water and saying, Go. You know, <laughs> right. Yeah. Certainly not something that's sustainable over the long term for for most people. Yeah. And so I, you know, and 
so you can see that in tech, but you can see that in um, other industries and other things. Um, we're seeing it in healthcare. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's you know, uh, people talking about not having a, a life anymore outside of this, and and being having to do more and more stuff that takes them more and more away from actually what they love about practicing medicine, you know, in healthcare. Um, and so there, there are a number of things that have sort of trying to understand how all of this sort of happened, but it's creating environments which are really, that are designed to make money, that are designed to, you know, hit records of productivity, delivery, to, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But at the expense of the people who work there, because you're counting on them to do more and in shorter time, and, and, and at some point it's kind of like it's outstripping human functioning, human capability. Right. So the, there's a, a sort of half joke about the bad math that I hear all the time in different organizations. It's not only tech, it's in, it's in banking, it's in, you know, it's in healthcare, it's in all these places. And basically people say, oh, we're really worried about, you know, possibility of burnout, we want to talk to you about it. And the bad math is we have to do more with less. Mm-hmm. And everybody is doing more, and we're going to have to do more next year, but we're not going to be hiring more people. We can't afford that, and we can't, you know. Doing more with less is asking of people to go way beyond, you know, reasonable limits to actually deliver high-quality work. Right. Um and there's this and idea live. now too. Yeah, <laughs> have a life that right. you kind of enjoy while you're here on this earth. Yeah, good luck. Good luck with that. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, I, there's a, at least um, you know the talk around the conference. You hear this idea that you know now it's a, a prevailing concept that happy people lead. You know, happy workers down the road eventually leads to better quality software. Mm-hmm. So the messaging around that is. At least shifting in a way that says, okay, look, if you have a good culture for your workers, it all filters out down to the end product at some point. But yeah. I would imagine that, that you would think that it's the IT leaders uh, that have to cultivate a different kind of culture and be proactive about addressing this issue, right? It's going to come from the top down. Well, it also has to come from the bottom up. Mm. I think it's, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't advocate one versus the other. Sure, yeah. Um, the, because, and I, I say this because I've seen enough instances where there's not cross-communication from all people around these issues. And so you see instances where... Um, you know, big changes are going to be made in how this company is run, and they haven't checked with any of the engineers who are actually going to have to now do this new thing. And you would think you want to make sure the people who you count on to do this are on board, understand, and have figured out how to do it. And maybe you also want to hear from them if they see some flaws or some bugs before you actually encounter them, you right. know, uh, and here's why there's a better way as opposed to that way or something like that. Um, I cannot tell you how often I have talked with employees at different levels who are saying, okay, something got imposed from above or a decision was made without checking with anybody, like, 
So how do you think? And sometimes it's about a fun thing. So it's like with the best of intentions, let's do something for the employees that would be fun and healthy and whatever, and let's put a volleyball court on the roof of the building. Mm-hmm. A lot of money to fix the roof, put on the volleyball court. People know it costs. How often is it being used? Right. How often do you have time to t- <laughs> and get teams going? You know, But also there's a sense of... If you're willing to do something that would make things better, mm-hmm. you want to check in with people and get 20 ideas, you know, right. as opposed to that, you know. So all I'm saying is there, there, there needs to be some way in which you don't just sort of say, I'm going to do X if I'm the leader here, but maybe it could be X or Y, or even if it's just the one. But make sure that it's getting down to the people who are you are actually counting on. Right. to be the ones to do this. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, they're not going to do it well. They're going to have shadow systems because they don't trust it. Right. Are they going to do their very best? No. They're going to... I mean, you know, there's all these things where it's it's not going to work well. Right. And, um, and, and so, anyway, all I'm saying is that the people who are doing different kinds of jobs have experience... And therefore, ideas, not all of them are going to be good. Some, I mean, right? Some sure. ideas sound good on paper and right. <laughs> and don't work. But but at least trying to be as smart as you can about this to make sure that all sort of the relevant folks at least have an opportunity to kind of chime in on, on something. Or how are we going to make this work without going through the debugging process that we always have and, you know, that kind of thing. So that's why I think you really need a find ways in which top down and bottom up and sideways and all <laughs> right, right. Are, are working so that people who have a stake in it have a piece of it, contribute in some way to it, know what's going on, have a way to communicate if they see any red flags or, or problems uh, and can be on board and make it, make it successful um, and and ho- hopefully steer anything away from disaster. Right. So I I worry if it's if it's um, I worry sometimes about things that make it sound like if the leader is doing fine and and whatever that's enough. Right. And we see this. In, I think it's important, but I yeah. don't think it's enough. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, and we see this in Silicon Valley too. Right. I mean, it's it's about throwing these perks at developers or yeah. you know whomever's on the team a lot of times like you say it's not rolling in actual feedback from people and maybe it's not as useful as they think it is so yeah it makes perfect sense um let me ask you um broad strokes you know we're talking about some pretty dire circumstances here in some cases um what are some practical steps that technology companies should take to implement uh, a safer work culture uh you know, how can we practically address this problem um, from leadership on down, from top down, you know, bottom up? Yeah, yeah, how yeah. can we practically tackle this issue? I, I think it's helpful to focus on um, what are the relevant units or groups or teams or, you know, um, and, th- and that might look different in, in different organizations, you know, kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Because burnout is really not an individual, 
problem and individual disease is very much tied into what is going on in terms of the job conditions, and that involves other people, as well as policies and practices and the physical environment and you know all kinds of other other things. So it's really a, more of a, a, a we issue, and um, so if you can find what are the relevant team, let's say you know or, or groups in in the organization, they have a span of control over what they do that can fly under the radar, you know, in a sense, meaning they don't have to get permission to say, how could we be organized to do this thing a little better? Or what's the pebble in our shoe that is driving us nuts, and how could we fix that so that all of us aren't kind of struggling with this? Um, And some of these solutions that they come up with, they experiment, they try it out, they tweak it, you know, get some doesn't require a lot of money, if any, doesn't require permission, doesn't require a one-size-fits-all for everybody, you know, that kind of thing. Customize it to the kind of work and the people that are there to sort of say, how do we, you know, are there some small steps, quick wins, low-hanging fruit, whatever phrase you want to use, where we could start and see if we could fix this little nagging problem? It's not one of these big, humongous reinventing technology for the, you know, the next century or something right. like that. It's the everyday, because it's the chronic job stressors. That's what burnout is responding to. So where are these things coming from? What are the things, and what are the easier ones that you could begin to tackle? What are the ones that people really care passionately about? Maybe it's not the smallest one, but it's something they're willing. You know, I worked in one company, we did some research there, and found out that fairness was the big issue, you know, that way things were being done and in particular it turned out of the many things were identified as being unfair there was a distinguished service award which people hated with a vengeance <laughs> hated uh, even though it was an award got publicity nice extra little bonus you know check um, and it wasn't because they didn't give enough money for it or you know it was because the process of who got it was deemed as so rigged and crooked and unfair that people did not want to even know, people didn't want anybody else to know if they were nominated for it. Well, it took time to actually, you know, I mean, the CEO was shocked and, you know, kind of, but he said, okay, let's, let's, let's fix it. It took time to say, how do we redesign this in a way that you can't game it in that sense and that actually people who have done something really special, you know, get, get recognized and rewarded for it. Right. And it took time, but the following year, it was working, and there was this sense of hope. Optimist, well, if we could do that, whoa, what about over here, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and, and so building up this sense of that there are some issues that actually, if you work together to sort of say, what could we add, you know, that... You know, here we're doing all this work, but we never have a chance to just sort of sit down and talk to each other and have fun. You know, what could we do to, you know, promote that thing? So we get to know each other. You get to, you know, and after a while you get to know who you could turn to and who might come to you, you know, uh, if they they have a problem, you know, that kind of thing. And those are, you know, little celebratory things, little fun things. I mean, but it's, it's, it's challenging people within meaningful groups come up with some solutions and then if they're really working share them Um, but I I think finding the first steps the wins showing that we could actually make some we could make a difference in a way 
yeah. and we know what we're doing and where the problems are and we could, you know, whatever. Right. Um, I, you know, there have been companies that have had certain amount of money set aside just for little experimental projects. Sure. Use it for those, you know, uh, and and sort of say, how could we, how could we do this better? Right. Um, and, you know, those don't sound like big, sexy kind of things, you right. know, but in some sense, burnout is the response to the chronic everyday stuff that after a while you just can't take it anymore. And um, in hospitals, you know, I have a colleague who's worked with nurses um, who are sometimes their own worst enemy in terms of civility and stuff like that. And, and and they were doing a an intervention to try and get better respect, engagement, civility, you know, in, in the workplace. Six month process, one meeting a week, um, and that's hard to schedule. Um, and they gradually turned it around, and they did it in hospital after hospital after hospital. And absenteeism went down, the burnout went down, the civility got better, you know. But it would be things like, you know, sarcasm. I'd ask nurses, what is the worst thing that, you know, what is the thing that bothers you the most sometimes? And, ah, rolling the eyes. <laughs> Get them to stop rolling their eyes when you're, you know. Right. And you realize it's all these little things. You can't go at it directly. But if you can begin to sort of say, okay, how do we do a better job of uh, handling situations where these things pop up, you know, sort of analyzing, you know, when this happens on the team, how do we, you know, if we can't talk about it because we're right in the middle of an emergency, how do we deal with it later? Here's, you know, I mean, it takes time. you got to unlearn and sort of learn sort of, you know, other new practices. But they identified it as this is the thing that after a while you just... Uh, right, you can't take it anymore. Do want to show up to work? Right, no, I get <laughs> Mental it. Health day. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last question, because we're short on time. Okay. Um, in your conversations with with leaders in this industry, are you finding that they're getting it? That they are receptive to these ideas? That they um, are implementing some different sorts of um, uh, ways to alleviate these kinds of yeah. problems? Sometimes yes, and sometimes not so much. Yeah, and you've seen some pushback too, even? Well, there's a sense that, that, you know, it's just, you know, and this is the, sort of the great misnomer and myth that is always fighting, is that somehow burnout is just whiny, weak people. And, you know, I mean, I've had people tell me, look, burnout is a great thing because... Well, they're, you know, obviously it must mean they're not really good at their job and they'll quit and leave and then I don't have to fire them. I don't, you know, makes my job easier. So, yay, you know, for burnout. Well, the evidence doesn't really support that. You're sure. losing good people. You're not always losing, you know, the losers, you know, kind right. of thing. I mean, it sounds like a sociopathic kind of <laughs> response, really. So, um, uh, the idea that it's not real, it's trivial, or, you know, uh, in my day, we didn't have this kind of, you know, I mean, that kind of thing. I don't know if you saw there was um, uh, something in the New York Times, somebody wrote an op-ed, this was in, like, he's a psychiatrist, so it was really more about healthcare, uh, and said, is burnout real, and sort of saying, no, nah, you know, in, uh, in our day, and uh, and you then go and see the hundreds of letters that came back in and emails <laughs> saying, wait a minute, let me tell you. And it wasn't just healthcare; It was from all over saying, are you kidding me? Right. So um, to the extent that people still see it as um, 
a sign of weakness or you can't take it or, um, you know, can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen, you know, that kind of thing, then there really isn't any sympathy for the idea that this could be a, a serious issue. And the, the fact that a couple months ago the World Health Organization officially recognized burnout as a legitimate occupational, you know, experience that, that could lead to these kind of problems kind of made it say, no, this can happen, and then you should be taking, you know, paying attention to it. So, you know, I think there's still a lot of work that need, needs to be done for understanding of this. This is also the case that people, to the extent they make it an individual problem, a medical condition, they think it's, you know, something like you're having the flu, what is the symptoms, what is the diagnosis, what is the treatment, you know, and I treat you because you've got the flu and that person doesn't. They aren't really seeing how what this is saying is that it's really more about the job conditions and different people will have different reactions to that. But if you imp begin to improve those, you're going to be kind of raising all boats, you're, you know, right. in making it better for not just the people who have the biggest problem, but, you know, we find, you know, there's, say, 15% of any kind of population we look at is highly burned out. But that's the minority, you know. You've got a whole bunch twice that that's probably engaged with work, and then you've got people who are in kind of different, maybe transitional or maybe different, you know, sort of things. And it wouldn't take very much for some of them to just move it up a notch in terms of, wow, great place to work. I'm glad I'm here. I'm yeah, feeling good about it. Yeah. So, um, so my my interest. Um, now is really on how to uh, focus on how we design workplaces, not just physically, but for the well-being of the people who do their work there. And it's not just so that you're healthy in the sense of not getting flu and not, you know, all these other kind of things, but that you're psychologically functioning well, that you are able to grow and develop, that you're able to feel that, wow, it's a worthwhile thing. I mean, even if it's hard work and all that kind of stuff. Uh, there's meaning attached to that, that that's valuable. Uh, it's a great part of your life in addition to everything else that's happening. And, and uh, so I'm working at Berkeley with people from all kinds of different disciplines. Um, you know, like I'm talking to architects for the first time about how you think about workplaces and yeah. what you design. And I'm hoping that the message is not so much about, you know, burnout per se and the people who have more or less of a problem with it, I, I mean, but but really about what makes a healthy place where people thrive rather than get beaten down. So for me, burnout is not the main problem. For me, it's a sign. And the analogy that I would use in some way is it's sort of like for me the canary in the coal mine. So the canary, if you know, when you think about it, it goes down in the coal mine if it's starting to have trouble breathing. And, uh, and not surviving or something like that, what is it telling you? Right. It's telling you that there's a toxic fumes in the, in the mine and you don't want to send people in there to work until that's cleared out. So all the stuff that says, well, fix up the bird, you know, make them resilient, make them strong, make them tough, they can take you know, the toxic workplace. Mm -hmm. No, it's telling you this is not a great place to work. And to the extent that we are seeing all kinds of forces shaping workplaces in ways that make it things that 
you don't enjoy as much, you don't take as much pride in, you know, it's kind of you have to rather than that you want to. I mean, all of, you know, which affects the quality and, you know, the, all of that. Right. It's not doing us a good service, and we really need to pay attention to the sign that burnout is saying, you know, that people can relate to it even if they aren't, you know, badly, ex- you know, having a bad experience with burnout. Mm-hmm. They're still saying, you know, crazy work, not enough resources, people treating each other badly. I mean, you know, who wants to be there? Absolutely. I, I love yeah. this kind of work, but can I be in another place? <laughs> Something wrong. Right. Well, this is an important topic, and uh, Dr. Maslach, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to chat about it. Okay. Thank you for having me here. Check out searchsoftwarequality.com for more articles on application development, testing, DevOps, and Agile topics, or follow us on Twitter at SoftwareTestTT.